Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. Wade and I are in the um, office turned studio here with uh, Dr. Hankel, who is our resident disease expert. And since this is kind of stuff in the news uh, uh, right now, uh, we thought we'd have him on and ask some really pressing questions, such as, you know, are cooties for real? <laughs> Do we have to follow the five second rule? All of these, you know, like we're usually goofing around, but this is serious stuff. Here. Well, and I, I will say, um, I, I, we thought of this because we, we've had uh, Jim on before, and um, and with the news right now, I think it's a really interesting thing to tie in together. And we, mm-hmm. um, we we've talked about. So when you've been on before, has it been twice now or once? Just once. Just once, and I'm, uh, but. Um, I think to to be able to talk about kind of what's going on right now with the coronavirus, I don't mm-hmm. think you mentioned we need to catch your name for it. I don't think they've come up with one yet, have they? <laughs> I like Kung Flu, personally. <laughs> 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 but, um, you know, what's happening in China and with Wuhan, I think it's an interesting thing to look at, um, you know, what's going into this, what is, should you be afraid, what mm-hmm. should you be afraid of, why should you be afraid Sure. Um, and it's something that has a lot of importance in, in history when you think about, you know, plague or other things that have actually, I mean, plays into the Reformation and, and yeah. the, um, the change in the view of the mass and how we view the dead and that. So uh, to talk about something contemporary and then we're we're hoping I, I just got a tentative agreement um, from uh, Dr. Henkel and from Professor Finnegan to maybe have another episode where we can talk about a, a class they taught mm. interdisciplinary on the history of infectious disease Uh so I think fun. It, I think there's a lot of neat crossover. So, well, we can talk about five second rule. Well, I, also, I would assume that it would come up in some context, but mostly about if if the five second rule can protect us from uh, the kung flu. Right. I mean that'll be the context. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, a um, couple of plugs. Um, uh, our apologetics course here, at WLC's campus in this summer, uh, practical apologetics. Kerry uh, Keen, our physicist, and, and myself. Uh, one week, June 15th to 19th, $200, and then we're going to bring in Pastor Luke Thompson for another week. You don't have to go to both. You can take him in any order you want. And he's going to talk about into the postmodern wilderness. He's pretty good about that philosophical stuff and how it relates to culture. And he's working on a book on Ecclesiastes right now, too, so it would be well worth your time. Go to blackearthapologetics.com for more information or email me. And we are part of the 1517 uh you said uh, I was going to do that, Mike. Go network. Ahead, no. no, so I said, and Wade, tell us about that. All right, so we uh, try to usually remember to mention at the beginning or the end of our podcast, but you can go to 1517.org and find all the good stuff they're doing, um, whether that be publishing blogs or other podcasts. Uh, take a listen to some of the rest. Just make sure you always come back to us, but we're happy to be part of the 1517 Podcasting Network um, and uh, encourage you to check out some of the work they are doing. Mike, uh, I think... Uh, We'll do the intro at the beginning of the main the main section for the episode mm-hmm. to give a little more background because I think that'll tie in better and we'll get less distracted. But why don't you go ahead and give us our disclaimer, Mike? This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with the healthy skepticism. Because well as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way.
That brings us to our free for all. We haven't done a free for all in a while because it's been just me and Mike, and I'll admit. I'm very excited for this one. I have not told uh, Mike or Jim what we're actually going. I hope it's all right. You want to be Dr. Henkel all the time, or we can call it. No, you. Jim, okay, please. Okay, good. Um, the, uh, but I was thinking about this when we came up with the episode idea. And so I have thought about this a fair amount. I'm guessing Jim has thought about this a fair amount. I'm guessing Mike has not thought about this much at all. And so the free-for-all is animal that you would least expect to be as deadly as it is. Animal that you would least expect to be. And this doesn't have to mean deadly like in one-on-one combat, (laughs) but simply in the causing of death in the world can be included. So I have my answer, which I am very proud of and I've thought out. Um, usually wait. we throw it to our, our guest last, and so I will, uh, I will, I will let him go last, um, and he can agree or disagree with my answer if he wants. But I think it's only fair that we ask Mike to go first. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to participate in this. I don't, you know, you just throw this on me, and I don't think about these kinds. Just come of up things. with an answer. You want the animal that would be most that super- most people don't realize, like how much havoc it can. Havoc they can. Now with animal, you're not just talking about with a backbone. No, it can be any okay. any of the classes of animals. Excellent. Or, what do you put in that class? Is a, a phyla. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You guys seem to be very excited about this. Yes. Um, I am. <laughs> this is I, a good one. I, I have no And it idea. doesn't even have to be an animal that does the harm while living. It can be Ooh. a harm that it does after death. I like this. Okay. Dude, I don't know. I don't well, know. think on the spot. I, I th- what frightens you the most? What frightens me the most? And it's uh, even better if it's an animal that wouldn't otherwise frighten you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wade frightens me. Human beings, you know. Well, no, but we yeah, we, we do can't know. say humans, though. Right, and, but that would be, we would expect that that's the most uh, dangerous of all the animals if we were going to put it in that. Um, I don't know, dude. Um, I don't know. I'm not even going to venture a guess. I don't think about those things. We should circle around back to him. Yeah, we'll come yeah, back I'll to I'll come back to you. Do you yeah. want to go next or do you want me to give mine? Oh, I want to hear yours. I'm going to say chickens. Well, okay. because I think um, chickens seem very unthreatening on the whole. Um, I did have to, I remember on a field trip once we went to a farm and I had to chase a chicken and I was a little scared of it. I'm not going to lie um, that it could peck me. But I think if you consider like avian flu, mm-hmm. um, chickens seem to be an animal that we put together really close and then we have humans in contact and stuff can spread. Nitrates that get in the water, pollution from a... Wow. From chicken waste. You have thought about this. Yeah. Mm. And then I think also, strictly speaking, in a fight, um, like a rooster, which I believe is considered a chicken still, right? <laughs> Last time I checked, yeah. can be pretty vicious. So yeah. I thought my answer would be, like if you had never seen an animal before and you just came to Earth and you saw a chicken, you'd probably be like, I could take that animal, right? <laughs> in fact, I was talking to students the other day. I don't know how... We got on this topic, but I was talking about, like, why it makes sense that we started eating chickens pretty early on. Because, like, if you were thinking we're out in the wild and you see, like, a rhinoceros and a chicken, (laughs) which one are you going to figure you're going to try to eat? So, like, the chicken, you kind of start maneuvering and you realize you can maneuver it. It looks like an animal that's just easy to kill because you can kind of just, I'll I'll do my motion, but, you know, you grab it, Mm -hmm. just kind of whip its neck around. Mm -hmm. Um, So not an you don't need like a bunch of spears and, um, and I mean, you can pretty much eat it without cutting it up in pieces. I mean, even you just pull yeah. feathers out of it. Mm. Um, 
but it's going to get you in the end potentially, right? It can get you um, salmonella. Oh, yeah. seems to come a lot with chicken. Um, so, And then I would have to even imagine like heart disease. A lot of the – we make chicken some pretty unhealthy ways. So even when you cook it, I mean it can be really healthy, but we love to like fry, fry it, it and stick it with other stuff. So W3s, man. I'm pretty <laughs> pleased with my answer. I, I like chicken. Okay. You thought about that a yeah. lot. Yeah. I'm curious of your evaluation of my answer. I, I like the salmonella aspect. I like the uh, uh, the avian flu. Um, a lot of the times when we're looking at flu recombination and such, it's birds, pigs, and humans, and uh-huh. they all kind of mix and do a... And I didn't go with pig because I think pigs look like they could hurt you. Oh, like in the yeah. wild, like a boar. Oh, yeah. yeah, they can slice you up, man. Um, yeah, there's Sorry a reason there's yeah. yeah, there's a reason there's boar spears out there, yeah. or were. It's not really popular as a hunting instrument anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the the chickens' uh, flus can um, two flus or more can uh, infect a single cell and kind of shuffle the deck of genetics, and all of a sudden you instantly have something new. So yeah, it's a that's a really good, well thought out and one. And I actually honestly. did some digging, and there's some who think the Spanish flu of 1918 was an avian flu, right? Yeah, there's a lot of because thoughts about this. That but was one of the most deadly, like yeah, that, that was had. the singular most deadly one out oh. there uh, when we we're talking 50 million. So uh, if that's roughly. potentially chickens, I feel like that's another thing. In yeah, there. yeah. Uh, we honestly don't know how it got that deadly uh, and honestly why it killed really um, people in the prime of health, but it, it had some factors to do. That's the other scary thing about that one is I've been reading more about it, is it? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, usually <laughs> you count on the flu, it's like it's going to get old people and really young people. Yeah. That was the one that was really unusual and had unusual symptoms and, and such yeah. like that. But uh, so if that goes to the birds, yep, yep. I think it. Do uh, you got a different animal? Oh yeah. All right. Oh yeah. Why don't we get yours and then we'll see if Mike's sure. managed to think of anything. <laughs> I would argue the mosquito, and Doctor Ethan <laughs> Degner would be Ethan's very good. happy about that um, because he's a vector biologist and studies mosquitoes. He's actually growing up some now. And now this is he's been at. Uh, he just this is his second year or first? His first year, his okay. second semester. So he's uh, nice. he's treading water, but he's yeah. doing a great job. Well, good. And he, he was exciting, uh, very excited to show me a flask of mosquito larvae that he had hatched out. Huh. Yeah. Uh, nothing in them. They're, they're pure. But uh, mosquitoes carry a lot of stuff. There are parasites. Uh, we're kind of cutting out some of the parasites, thankfully. But uh, the major one is malaria. Um, malaria holds the entire subcontinent of Africa down economically, culturally, uh, and, and, and they should be a powerhouse. Uh, and they are a really small animal that we, yeah. one-on-one, you can really swat it, really. Mm-hmm. That is an excellent choice as but well. But you sleep. They get you while you're sleeping, yeah, too. that's a good um, And uh, they carry Chikunungunya virus. They carry West Nile. They carry dengue, which is increasingly uh, or spreading very widely. Um Zika is the new one oh, that everybody. One that yeah, news, yeah, it's it's nuts. There's a a lot of things uh, that they can carry. So, and we're never going to get rid of them. Yeah, that that I would say one of the things mosquitoes have over chickens is you can like coop a chicken. <laughs> yeah. Mosquitoes, you can't really. Yeah, yeah. Although there was this one guy out of uh, IBM, I think, uh, that uh, quit his job and bought like five hundred dollars of uh, electronic equipment and a Blu-ray laser online. He made this. 
this piece of equipment that can only be described as a, la- a laser fence, where it huh. identifies individual mosquitoes, the females, and by sound and micro- uh, with a high-speed camera, and then it shoots a laser like 30 times a second and burns them out of the sky. Huh. It's, it's insane. Um, <laughs> I will say along those lines, one of the things I always enjoyed about camping uh, was like you're out by the fire at night, and if you had a bug zapper, mm, yeah, I don't know that those are good or bad, so I'm not taking a moral position on them, but to kind of hear the zap, yeah. I just associate that with camera. Like hey, I lived in the country hearing that from yeah. our neighbors down the hill. and You don't see those as much anymore now. In the country, there are a bunch, especially okay. with uh, uh, on farms and such. They just want to keep the horse flies and stuff like that sure, down. That and uh, Mosquitoes, sometimes they get in, but, um, you yeah, know, it's... It, it is something pleasant <laughs> that yeah. I associate with growing up on the farm. So, What do you got, Mike? All right. I was going to go with rats or mosquitoes. Well, that's I, a good I, one. I think rats, rats are a good choice, one. Though, right. So when I was looking, I just looked up most vicious. So I have a top 15 of deaths per year. Okay. Right here. Yes. Mosquitoes, number yep. one, 750, uh, 100,000 estimate, mm. which is more than humans. We're only, we only cause 437,000. But is this, this is deaths from living animals causing it? Yeah. Like attributed to. Because I feel like chickens don't get credit. I get you. I get you. I get you. So number two is animals. Three is snakes, about a hundred thousand years. Number four, dogs, rabies, 35,000. Here's one. This is probably would have been the best answer. Number seven, 20,000 plus deaths a year, freshwater snails. Hmm. How do they kill people? Carrying parasitic Parasites. worms. Yeah. Ah. Um, some sort of bug, 12,000 years. Uh, some sort of fly. Uh, roundworms, 4,500 oh, deaths. Worms yeah. would be a Top good one ten. as a class because worms yeah. do a lot of damage. Top 10. But the worms do a lot of good too. Top yes. 10. Crocodiles, 1,000. Tapeworms. Tapeworms. Um, See, if you take worms as a whole, you're getting roundworms. Yeah. Tapeworms, hook. Yeah, yeah, I think that would Hip have been worms. a good choice. Hippos, 500 deaths a year. Elephants, 500 deaths a year. Lions, 22. Wolves, 10. Shark made the top 15 with six. There yeah. you go. So I almost think worms would be a really good answer because yeah. they look like you shouldn't be afraid of them. I mean, but uh, just the thought of a worm in me too has of, always been a terrifying thought. But they of are like, kind of gross, so you're like, uh, I'm not sure about that. you hear about people who have tapeworms, and then it just yeah, keeps just, coming out. And you just instinctively know. Hey, it's the tapeworms are the worst, uh, the, the least of your, uh, there's a scarus that goes into your intestine, but it goes through the bloodstream. You cough it up out of your lung oh, and swallow geez. it, and and it um, and that one's pretty common even in the U.S. But there's river blindness where it, thousands of microscopic little worms swim through your skin and then uh, cover your eyes and damage them. It, it just you want to take worms, Mike? No, I, this is that's this a good is that's great, a good one. Great topic, Wade. Uh, <laughs> this is really great. Hey, got us it's, talking uh, about it. So uh, you guys going out for lunch after this? Uh, <laughs> this is about. Uh, I uh, can right talk now. about it during lunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I actually really enjoyed that. I think that was a, <laughs> that was a fun one. Who knew about freshwater snails, though? I didn't know it was that many deaths. Yeah, huh. so. I've always been leery of lakes when we have pools. Pools seem yeah. much safer. Yeah, this is true. Although, I mean, the chemicals maybe in the long run are bad. But I'd rather have the chemicals than the, the other things. Worms, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. We'll come back for uh, something probably even grosser and more disturbing, and that would be viruses. So um, we'll come back for our main topic. All right.
brings us to our uh, main topic. And, and Mike, you know me pretty well. And one of the things you know about me is I have a, I have a fear of death. Is that not enough. Not enough that you will go to that doctor, actually. <laughs> right, but so the reason you, I want to go to him is he might say I, I will die. I, I was thinking about this morning, your death. Um, <laughs> that um, I was thinking about Paul Gerhardt and how I wrote uh, a decent paper on that, and everybody should read something about Paul Gerhardt. I was thinking about worship and stuff like that, and then um, how you wrote an historical fiction on that, yeah. and you refused to have it published because I think we could put these both together. And then I thought. Well, when he dies at 52, um, I'll get Trisha. I like that you're give, giving me 10 more years. I do yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> I, and I will give, Trisha will give me your, pap- your papers, the, the Wade's papers. The historical yeah. the documents. And then, and then I'm going to publish it um, after you're dead. Posthumously? Mostly just to spite you. I respect that. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. Uh-huh. So now, um, he's, now you're going to go you'll erase You'll probably that. also then like put my business cards back in my office then too, right? <laughs> he So he has accused me of stealing from his office because he can't find his business cards. Because that's the one thing yeah. he would steal. Mike and, has and a key to my office. I did not steal your business cards. <laughs> <laughs> you know you can order them every year, right? <laughs> yeah, but I've been. it's been he took the most recent, so I've had Oh, the, of course. The so. whole box. And I told That's him, what I believe so, yes. I've wow. told him calmly well, multiple times. Well, then get this, though. Then I, I had rank and promotion, so I'm working on my binder. And I'd have been talking. There's only three other people I had talked to about this, about how I wanted to put how a business other? card in each binder. Well, guess what showed up on my table in my office was half a dozen business cards. Those, hmm. other, those other people also had access to your office. They do all have keys to my yes. office. Yes. Maybe you should stop giving keys here. In fact, you probably <laughs> shouldn't be saying this because that's probably against school policy. Yeah. But anyway, so I, I have a fear of death. It's not that um, I don't have a fear of like You're going to die of stubbornness next, too. But it's just that mm. the, the way of dying, I'd prefer not to die in an unpleasant way. I'd kind of like to die natural causes like in my sleep. Trisha wakes up. She's like... Wade, you're going to be late to school. You know, get up. She comes and, like, kind of shakes me. And then it's like, one last prank. Like, I'm dead. <laughs> you know. Because you do that. Right. As opposed <laughs> to, like, you know, dying in a fire, or getting eaten by rats, or. Um, drowning. Drowning would be mm-hmm. a bad one. Slow, painful death because you didn't go to the doctor for 30 years. Yeah. That, that <laughs> won't happen. Um, the. Uh, but so one of the stories I've had interest in is. Uh, um, you know, it happens every year that there's flu worries. But mm-hmm. um, in China now and, um, and in Wuhan with this uh, coronavirus that is in the news a lot. And it's really something I think that lately, too, just culturally has caught hold. You have series or documentaries or movies about pandemics. Mm-hmm. Um, this gets brought into uh, dystopian works. There's a really good um, book we read for co-curricular, Station Eleven, which is kind of this mm-hmm. um, virus wipes out civilization. Um it's been a while since I've read it or seen the movie, but I think Stephen King, The Stand, is about something yep. similar to that. Um, and uh, and so I thought it'd be kind of interesting and fun to talk about. And I think here we're we're talking specifically viruses, maybe, mm-hmm. but um, you know, an epidemic, pandemic. What do these mean? What should we be afraid of? What shouldn't? I mean, some people I've talked to, and they're like, "We have good medical care here. There's there's nothing to worry about. You know, whatever." And you go. Maybe, um, but uh, I think if we focus especially on on that virus, pandemic, epidemic, wherever you want to go with it is good, Jim. But maybe mm-hmm. first, if you could just refresh for our listeners, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episode we did too, which um, Peter always looks up these episode numbers. One of us should have done that. It's six. It is? You looked it up? Nope. 
It's not six. <laughs> six. I don't know what it is. Okay, but we will. Uh, uh, Mike will put it in the show notes um, for what that previous episode was. Um, but to kind of get it with this, uh, maybe first your background, why you're interested in things like this, um, and then we can get a little bit into uh, the history, what what's going on now, things mm-hmm. of that of that sort. Should we uh, be you know, putting saran wrap around our house and not leaving <laughs> all of those things. But maybe a little bit about yourself again. Yeah. Um, I have a master's and PhD in microbiology. The master's is in clinical microbiology, which is basically uh, detecting infectious disease in a hospital and, and such like that. So I was fairly intimately associated with infectious diseases for humans specifically. And uh, then with my master's, I, or with my PhD, I mean, um, I looked at how they can kill or cause disease. So I worked on toxins. Um, and a small amount of that was on biodefense um, for um, botulism neurotoxin, which is a very, very potent toxin that we yeah, also that use. Yeah, that sounds like something I don't want. Well, it's also used as Botox. So if, really? Uh, yeah, so we inject one of the most potent protein uh, toxins into our bodies in a very, very, very small amount. God bless America, huh? Yeah. Well, hey, it works. And it's actually a very important medical treatment now to paralyze essentially any muscle in the body, not just huh. making us look beautiful um, or or at least <laughs> <laughs> waxy <laughs> and, and unmoving. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's my background. I've worked on West Nile virus. I've worked on a little bit on Lyme disease, but... Um, uh, toxins, and now I work on chlamydia. You you mentioned a word that I think it'd be interesting just to maybe unpack a little bit, and that is disease. Mm-hmm. Um, we get we use that word disease yeah. all the time. We use it metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do we mean when we say just di- in general in the science over in Generac? You're teaching, you're working with your students in mm-hmm. your field. What do we mean when we say disease? Well, it's it's something that causes harm, in, especially for humans, but it, it has symptoms, symptoms that are uh, observable, measurable, and such like that. I usually have to talk, and I'm l- really looking forward to my microbiology Valentine's Day version <laughs> of talking about STDs, but I have to explain what sexually transmitted infections are versus sexually transmitted diseases. Diseases are infections that cause or STDs are infections that cause symptoms that we can observe. But there's a whole bunch of them that were already infected with the organism, but it doesn't yet or sometimes doesn't show symptoms of that infection for a long time. But that makes sense then. And um, the, the other thing uh, that you mentioned with, with your background um, West Nile and and, uh, chlamydia and and some of these other things you've worked with. When we're talking about the flu or influenza um, or we're talking about viruses, Mm -hmm. um, so disease, you know, these words that might come up. When we we mean a virus, what do we mean by a virus? Well, that's a word that comes into popular parlance all the time now when something went viral on the internet. (laughs) Yeah, a different way. But um, a lot of the time people get Back, especially the media, get um, bacteria and virus mixed up. Bacteria can replicate by themselves and cause an infection by themselves. And viruses um, uh, technically aren't, uh, there's some argument in the field over adult drinks, um, but uh, for the most part, 
by definition, they need a, a cell or a live host to use their materials, their uh, metabolism, their ability to replicate, and they kind of take it over. They infect that cell and take over. So they're not alive. They have this programming of the DNA or RNA, and then they read that program using the cell. And then they make things. And then they um, assemble their virus and pop it out, and it's not alive out there. It's not uh, replicating on its own. Now, is... And this is probably a terribly stupid question, so mm. forgive me. Are all viruses bad? No, uh, not all viruses are bad. It's it's part of the ecological cycling of organisms. I mean, uh, every ounce of seawater has millions of uh, organisms and many, many, many viruses that we still don't understand. It doesn't hurt us. It might hurt other organisms, but that's part of the carbon cycle, the nitrogen cycle, uh. and such like that. <coughs> Uh, there's even uh, viruses that attack bacteria called phages, bacteriophages, that we can use as an alternative treatment to antibiotics. And uh. the Eastern Bloc countries, <laughs> showing my age here, um, uh, and uh, uh, Russia had um, a way, they decided to go into phage therapy instead of antibiotics. And so they have specific viruses that will kill E. coli huh. or sam, uh, salmonella or uh, uh, staph aureus. So if they have um, an infection in the bloodstream, they can actually put these things in, and then you don't get antibiotic resistance, and you kill that organism. So it's a like a, a specific missile that will hunt down that bacteria and not kill everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just getting all my stupid questions out of the way. Now, if we're speaking about influenza, influenza is a virus, whatever form of influenza it is. That seems to be like a big umbrella term. Like you'll hear H1N1 or H5 or these uh, avian or swine flu. Mm -hmm. What what makes something part of the influenza umbrella? What do we mean by influenza in general? Uh, The the viruses in general have this uh, naming structure that is not latin-based and not logical but we base it off of what their if they have dna or rna and if they have this envelope around them or what we call naked viruses which are just made of protein just their delivery mechanism and with the influenza they have an envelope virus they have some proteins that stick out called spikes and some of them help with infection and some of them will help with priming that infection and then their genome is uh, fairly unique. They instead of one loop or um, a, a single strand, they have uh, eight different sections, all separate, packaged separately, and that's really a major powerhouse of that, or what we call virulence factor, for making these huge shifts in uh, what the virus expresses. And now influenza is always bad, or or no. Well, I don't really think of a good way of it. I mean, okay. so not all viruses yeah. are always bad for us, yeah. but but influenza will always be bad. Yeah. When we when we talk about the flu, um, sometimes we'll talk about illnesses or conditions that pretty much have been with us for as long as there's been a human race, or for most mm-hmm. of it. Is influenza something that would fall into that? There's always been stuff like that that the human race has been dealing with, or is this something that has come about? Um, in modernity because of more modern um, 
circumstances? Yeah, that's actually a really good question because... Uh, um, See that, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> because uh, we can only go back so far with just using genetics, which is our really powerful tool right now, and, and looking at what people have recorded in history when we started noticing that we could kind of characterize and diagnose uh, as a science. And um, there is some symptoms that are described in Greek and Roman uh, uh, histories, uh, especially by their uh, medical professionals, that really suggest it was the flu. Uh, Past that, we have a big problem with, (laughs) uh, well, records in general, but also more scientific-based records because the Greeks were really the ones that codified some sciences. So uh, we can at least trace it back to... Uh, the early ADs, uh, and definitely some major outbreaks that affected Rome as as a population, the city as well as the empire. Now, when we talk about the flu, too, um, most people, when they say, oh, I had the flu, mm, yes. we have general catch-all kind of symptoms. When we put that yeah. together, and we say flu, yeah. I had a fever, or I was queasy, or I um, mm-hmm. was vomiting, um, I had a cough. Uh, I guess the first part of this question, and I always feel bad when I ask multi-part questions, so just go where you want to go with it. Sure. The first would be, what makes flu flu as we tend to experience? Like, how often is that actually flu or we're just it's a catch-all? And then the second part would be, what makes the flu deadly? Because many of us would say, oh, I've had the flu before. Mm-hmm. I didn't die. Um, you hear a lot of times about flu and pneumonia yes. right? that will be paired together. So what actually are symptoms of the flu that are actual flu, sure. flu things, and then what 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 can kill you about the flu? Sure. Um, when people say they have the flu and said they had a day where they're throwing up and uh, and such, and that's not really the flu. The flu gives you kind of this weakness, a malaise we call it, where you're just feeling cruddy, uh, a fever. Um, you just can a uh, body aches. You sometimes a little bit of nausea, but you and sometimes some. Uh, what we call gastrointestinal distress, which yeah. usually can describe a lot of things, uh, but usually not like throwing up. But if you can't drag your butt out of bed for a good part of a week, that's the flu. I okay. mean, when people bounce back in a day. Mm, so, and we'll yeah. say like at a 24 hour or whatever. Yeah. That's usually not flu. Then. Yeah, there's there's a lot of other viruses that are, are really bad. Colds or something like that. There's um, a norovirus that makes you... Uh, as I call it, worship at the porcelain altar for many a day. Um, but there's there's things that will cause you to throw up violently for 24 to 48 hours, and then it's out of your system. There's fever. And that's one of the problems with the coronavirus, too, is it's at the right time or the wrong time um, to coincide with other things that make you feel cruddy, give you a fever, but then how are you supposed to diagnose that without the correct techniques that we're still kind of devising? So, and, and what, what kills you is usually the pneumonia. Um, and then, uh, it's usually the very young and very old, unfortunately. So we have an average of 20 to 25,000 people who die every year. And that's something that the medical professionals know about. We can't, uh, we want to reduce that because of vaccines, but so even people sometimes with the vaccines, their immune system just doesn't respond properly. 
And that's really what we as healthy individuals um, uh, can do to keep it from spreading, basically. But uh, a pneumonia, really bad pneumonia they can't shake, or what we call a secondary infection where there is a bacteria that monop- uh, uh, capitalizes on this this fluid in our lungs. and So it uh, makes us susceptible to yep. something else. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, I think, so let's, vaccines is going to be the second thing. Mm. But the, um, the first thing then, I think, to maybe tie this all together, is you mentioned transmission. Mm-hmm. And I know something you hear in the news with the coronavirus now, as you've heard, um, they think it's respiratory, so it's, it's transmitted through the mouth, so you're going to wear the mask. I read some reports that, who knows if they were true, that it could be through the eyes. Mm. Um, whenever there's a fear of epidemic or pandemic, that's obviously something people want to nail down is how is it transmitted? Is there a common way that influenza or flu is transmitted? I mean, is there really differences between them, or is it just that some are transmitted in more ways than others, but there's basic commonalities? Well, um, usually with respiratory viruses, the easiest access for the viruses is through the lungs. And it turns out it isn't always that for like uh, SARS, which is the first coronavirus that was defined in 2003. That was... Oh, so SARS is a coronavirus. Yes, it is. Okay. It was the first one. And there's another one called MERS, which is only by camels. So I think we're okay in Wisconsin here. Um, Although Mike has been factory farming camels. Well, yeah. and Exotic uh, animal trade. Interesting. But I drink better beer than Corona, so I'm probably there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I saw this meme where they uh, said Corona is going to change its name, and it showed Ebola. Up here. <laughs> so, good, solid choice. Um, so respiratory is almost always anything long a lot is going to be time, bad for yeah. transmission. Now, with some of the coronaviruses, um, with this one, it's most likely respiratory, um, but it doesn't mean it's the only way. Um, you can have it just by touching an inanimate object we call fomites and then um, playing around your face or nose or what have you. Um, uh, that's usually one mechanism. So washing your hands uh, with soap and water and not just baptizing your hands with water while you have soap on it. You have to have the mechanical uh, movement of the wash. There. What if I grabbed a pen from a public place and just and realized... put it in your mouth. I've been put it in <laughs> my mouth. Would that be bad? Or? <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Now, um, if I've already been doing that, I can keep... To, at this point, I probably have whatever I would have. Or you I know, it's stop. a good good idea to stop <laughs> just know, I, because I, you're I, enforcing that I'm reaction. Set it down. I'm, con- I'm constantly telling him, don't lick that. Don't lick that. <laughs> it's just you can't take him anywhere. Well, you know, I used to my mom, drive my mom nuts because I used to put money in my mouth. And I was like, uh, well, you know, I have a story about that. It involves feces and the parking uh, police over at uh, UW Stevens Point, and somebody paid with coins covered in what we were pretty sure were feces. But we didn't get anything to grow out of it because there's something called metal toxicity where high concentrations of certain so metals will kill. Oh, uh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to put the pen. A little ways away from me. Yeah. Um, so the hands, something that was interesting to me because um, I, I believe it was um, in an undergraduate research seminar or I can't remember where we were talking to or if one of your students had a paper, but I remember us having a conversation after it that it was either syphilis or chlamydia can be spread through the eyes. And I believe you mentioned that sometimes in, in developing countries, children will get it because they touch something and then they mm-hmm. rub their eyes. Is that is yeah. that correct? Um, yeah, gonorrhea and chlamydia can be transferred while the child is being um, born 
through the vaginal tract and the birthing canal. And so in, um, even in the U.S., we put erythromycin or some kind of antibiotic in the eye, and that's what that gummy stuff you usually okay. see when kids are just born. They just put it in the eyes. They, in developing countries, sometimes it's easier to get silver nitrate, which has got to sting. But uh, you put it in the eyes, and it'll kill off um, uh, chlamydia and gonorrhea, so you don't get uh. those nasty infections and, honestly, blindness sometimes. Mm. So. so when they – when I, I – I mean, I'm – positive i read about this if it was a good news source i can't say with this coronavirus could i mean there be something to the eyes with that or that would just be like a secondary possibility that it's well i mean when when people are coughing in your face it's usually not a good thing okay Um, uh, so it is technically a mucous membrane there's a lot of defensive mechanisms in the eye because it is so so if i start wearing a mask should i also wear goggles is kind of why i was wondering i personally would like that but that's also why i wear glasses a lot of the time i did try to order masks by the way on amazon and they're sold out pretty much yeah funnily enough i already ordered ours for generac (laughs) i might make my own okay well um carbon filters are good um, just because they're kind of charged, uh-huh. um, but they don't physically filter out Want that well. Want me to well. make you one, Mike? I, I'll probably be okay. Would it be – okay, <laughs> I'm going to get back on topic, but this is also something I've been thinking about. <laughs> you wear a mask, but you have a beard. I have to imagine the beard is bad. Well, if it if it's bushy enough to kind of push it off so you don't uh, – so there's air coming through there, it's not great. But I'm just thinking like – so the mask is protecting you, but then they cough the thing in your beard, and then you're walking around with your beard with disease in it. How close contact do people come to your beard? I don't know. I was just curious because, I mean, what is the mask going to do that the – so I shouldn't yeah. shave my beard necessarily if it's – Well, you should wash your beard regularly. Yeah, I, I do that. Wade. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to make you a mask too, Mike, because I care about it. Right, could you make a mask out of business cards? I'm gonna. I'm gonna make you go. To the, I'm gonna make you to go to the doctor then. Nah, I want to wear a mask so I don't have to go to the doctor. What if I went to the doctor and he said I had coronavirus? I don't want to hear that. Wow. Wow. Um, so um, then maybe something we can hit on because this comes up every year with the flu too, um, and we'll we'll save vaccines in general for another day That's because a I, whole big I don't feel wax. like triggering yeah. anybody. Um, on whatever side, it is just a podcast, right? Yeah, but uh, but with the flu vaccine, um, something I've heard people say in connection of this is, well, I got the flu shot, um, in connection with coronavirus or mm-hmm. um, any of the influenzas. Um, I'm assuming they have the flu shot in Wuhan and in China yeah. in general. What um what about this? Uh, I mean, is it just this isn't one of the things that was in the strains that the vaccines use or is this a different thing, or, or well, yeah, how cor- does that relate? Coronavirus is a separate family of uh, compared to the flu viruses, so they really don't have a lot in common there. They're both uh, influenza, but they're not. They're not from- influenza. One ah, so is influenza. They're both uh, can cause a pneumonia. Okay, um, but they have um, different structures. They have. Uh, they're both RNA, but uh, and both enveloped, but they are different. Uh, families of virus okay. so they can uh, have different spreads uh, different infection rates um, different uh, overall symptoms as well uh, and and uh, what we call incubation times is how long does it take to get to symptoms and that's part of the potential danger with this yes. one is it could be yeah. 10 days or so huh? yeah they said one to 14 days uh, oh. sometimes and and that has been varying depending on who you talk to so 
we're we're having a problem with a lack of information uh, flowing out. Which is hard to believe with China. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> there's there's a number of us in the uh, pathogenic microbiology field that uh, talk to each other, and uh, we have comments about this. But uh, I, I think that's that's for a different time. Maybe something along those lines, though, and we won't do this in a maybe specifically bashing Chinese context or anything. But there, I think there are there are reasons that sometimes communication is not as good as it could be with yes. things like this. Um, I think you see that even with what we call the Spanish flu, right, isn't part of it that there was censorship of the press because of the yes. wars. Yeah. Spain wasn't in a war, so Spain's reporting on it, and it sounds like Spain has this. Um, and I don't think it's just a, a China thing, although it, it's intensified clearly in China because China is able to to censor um, social media and journalism in a way that other countries uh, either won't because of convictions about civil liberties or or mm-hmm. can't. Um, but even like the World Health Organization or other organizations, I have to imagine when they're looking at these things and trying to communicate, they're not simply weighing like the medical concerns. There's economic concerns. There's mm-hmm. civil unrest. Yep. Um, there's fear in general. Yeah. And what goes into the communication? Who, in your view, should be communicating with whom? Um, I understand the Chinese did share a... Um, they they basically what do you call it when they give that the sequence the, the yeah. sequence mm-hmm. um, which is better than what happened with SARS if I'm yeah well we have better techniques now I mean, yeah and so that we can hopefully work on something mm-hmm. but what goes into a you have a potential epidemic or pandemic mm-hmm. what are what are factors besides just the pathogenic community saying here's what we think yeah uh, well it starts with the uh, healthcare professionals that are seeing this and uh, when it's unusual and not uh, flu or even if it's flu I mean they talk to the public health um, uh, commission or or whatever their organization is there in that city or in that province and they work up the chain to say okay there is something coming that is new and they uh, usually they talk to their disease control prevention. They usually have one in every uh, nation. Ours is the Center for Disease Control. Ours kind of goes to nation as well as a little bit of international and works with the World Health Organization. Then the World Health Organization also helps coordinate with bringing supplies, detection, uh, uh, people, experts to help out with this, maybe uh, instant hospitals sometimes. Uh, And so this coordination between the local, the state, or provincial, and the um, the federal governments, and, and I'm using um, U.S. terms, really, uh, as well as people telling them what's on the ground, how do we detect this, what are we finding with symptoms, and, and just this coordination. And then sometimes we have to coordinate with uh, police and emergency response to tell them how to respond, uh, where to respond, sometimes what the transmission is so we can shut down certain transmission lines uh, like trains or airports or how to screen. So we even have the TSA involved uh, for as little as that's really going to help with this one. What, um, so, and, and maybe we'll make our way, I think, last to this specific virus and fears with it. Um, as someone who's read way too much dystopian fiction. <laughs> Me too, yeah. <laughs> um, if there were a legitimate pandemic, mm-hmm. um, 2020 or 2030 or 2040, 
who who knows um what do you fear more the actual virus or what else happens with all hell breaking loose how people react when they're fearful um you can have the best organization uh, and um, integrated public health uh, response emergency response and government response and people will, will act in uh, well you can't even predict it sometimes sometimes they'll run for the border uh, we saw that in the ebola response in africa where people would flee a city um, sometimes it's also with who the uh, or whom who the virus kills first or incapacitates so like in the ebola outbreak the first 500 uh, emergency response people were yeah. the people who were uh, incapacitated or likely killed so you didn't have any emergency response or uh, er response or anything like that and things very quickly uh fell apart in government because they didn't have that one part to it's kind of like on the plane when they say put your own mask on before you help your exactly Yeah. yeah but they didn't have the detection methods they didn't realize how far it had spread we have the awareness of what we're looking for um, it's difficult to identify because we have the flu season and it, it apparently can spread without having symptoms or, or real major symptoms. I think there's a lot of viruses that do that. We just didn't have the ability to detect it. So I'm, I'm not getting into that too much, even though the media is kind of waving that flag, but, um, in, in general, yeah, the, the people's response, I, I think. Overall, we haven't had a major, major outbreak that people have really responded poorly to yet um, in in my lifetime. But um, you never know how people are going to react. If they run for the hills, they might be infected and spread it that way. What um, so connected to that? Um, I mean, I just take for granted. Should something like that happen, there's not going to. The medical infrastructure is just not built for... No, yeah, and getting everybody overrun, the people who are afraid and going in, even though they don't have symptoms, and screening through the ones who do, and then they're all intermingling and then going back, and now they might be infected. So my question would be, uh, and this is not saying anything like this is going to happen, what is a, a vocational Christian perspective of people get nervous, they read the news like this, let's say a few more potential cases make it to America, um, the average person who's uh, not as educated in uh, things as you might be or is not part of the medical response um, that there would be, what in general for people listening, um, if they want to best serve their neighbor, how should they be receiving the media reports that are coming out? Um, to what extent uh, is it... Or, how should a Christian be well prepared mm-hmm. to take care of themselves or others in such a situation? Um, what are uh, unhelpful behaviors? I'm assuming fear mongering would be one of yes. them. But uh, yeah. any thoughts that come to mind with that? Yeah. Uh, well, there's only so much you can help your neighbor if you don't have the clinical expertise, and even sometimes when you have the clinical expertise. Um, and and with this outbreak. Um, which may become a pandemic, maybe. Um, we, we can't um, be too fearful, uh, but if it gets bad enough, you don't run for the hills, you stay at home. Or 
um, uh, you don't hoard supplies. Uh, I don't think we'll ever get to that point where we have to uh, hoard a whole a shopping cart full of honey-baked hams or whatever. That is something I wonder about, though, because, yeah. you know, you, you do want to be... Yeah. You want to stack up, but at one point, yeah. Is it- yeah, there's there's the prepper mentality versus um, that food could probably be better uh, helped with somebody else. I, I saw that a lot in the East Coast where there's this little old aunt with two shopping carts full of eggs and toilet paper, and either she's shopping for an entire football team <laughs> or <laughs> or she doesn't need that for a hurricane response. Um, so, I, yeah, the the fear that drives you to react differently a lot of the time and so uh, indirectly harms your fellow man you can buy masks that's not a bad thing i mean they don't go bad <laughs> but um buying out and and uh just just panicking that it changes everything about your life and living in fear because that, honestly after i learned that's my gut reaction to yeah, do is what I, yeah it's everybody's reaction is to live in fear um because there's that doom of mortality, right? Something that's going to hurt your family, change your life. Um, I, I got into that when I was um, uh, first getting my clinical micromasters. I was learning about everything that could kill us. And so my fear, I was going, okay, I got to clean my apartment all the time. I can't go to Africa. I still have problems going to Africa, <laughs> but uh, it's mostly because of the parasites. But um, in general, you have to kind of let your paranoia, and I'm showing my hand going up in a in a, uh, a peak of uh, frenzied panic, uh, you have to kind of let go and realize that you cannot stop yourself from being infected. Um, you, God is going to take you home. <laughs> He's going to take you home. And uh, you can take some precautions. Just don't let it stop you from living your life and, and uh, to an extent and witnessing that you're not controlled by your fear of life. (laughs) Now, if it were for the good of the college, the coronavirus had to either claim Mike or me. I'm just joking. Um, No, I want to, I want to hear the answer. (laughs) (laughs) What, um, the, I guess the, the last thing, um, that comes to, to mind with this, um, that's of a particular interest to me and I think maybe would be um, to listeners as well is if you if you were to sum up where we're at in, in 2020 um, versus where we've been in the in the past right mm-hmm. um, if this were a hundred years ago for instance um, something like this, is it is is this pandemic already? Um, is it scientific ad- advancement that largely deserves credit for this not being a more frequent thing that it's been since 1918 that we've had? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had other pandemics in there, but yeah. um, or um, or is it uh, by the grace of God and, and and through the vocations of gifted people who are working on this? Um, do you see this being something that we increasingly have the ability? Um, to control, I guess the question would be: as a lot of people in the media here said, you'll hear reports. It's inevitable that we have one. It's it's long overdue a pandemic. I don't. I'm not asking it well, but any thoughts on anything in my poorly phrased question? Yeah, no, I understand. A um, uh, um, hundred years ago, we didn't have a good infrastructure. We didn't have good medical technology to detect these things. Detection is key 
to being able to respond to it, either quarantine or treatment. Uh, we didn't have any good treatments. Um, it isn't quite clear if any of the antivirals work for this, but we have really good training for our medical professionals. I mean, I see that even with our nurses here. They get incredible training um, in infectious disease control. And uh, part of that is, is really good training, really good uh, uh, ability to detect uh, quickly. So the laboratory side of things, coordination with the public health, because we have a public health. We understand what germs are and how they can spread. Um, there's a lot of unknowns with new infectious diseases. So uh, one of the other problems is you can go anywhere in the world in 24 hours. Back then, you would have to take a steamer boat for two weeks, uh. you know, uh, so it wouldn't spread as quickly. But you didn't have the communication ability to let them know it's coming. So uh, there's a lot of positives. Uh, the the ability to detect and quarantine and excellent medical training that we have and a faster response, a faster way to make a vaccine possibly. Uh, some things work with making vaccines some things don't but you can now have um uh, antivirus or uh really vaccine factories make a whole new vaccine within three months yeah that amazed me when they once they had yeah. the sequence that they thought they could do that well we can even get the sequence now uh 20 years ago it would take in yeah. months if not a year so airplanes net good or net bad when it comes to disease they are really I, I personally don't like uh, flying while there is a disease outbreak. I'll, I'll wear a mask at this point, okay. but I probably have weak lungs. I have asthma and all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Flying to Houston next week. Yeah. Are you really? I would shave the beard. <laughs> I wonder. I was thinking this. <laughs> actually, what I would, if you want this pen, I believe it's actually giving me some immunities. <laughs> it's giving you good luck. I don't want to see you guys lick a pen right here right. in front of me. It's just um, not right. I was thinking about Peter in his libertarian utopia without a World Health Organization. Like, how does he... See, I'm sure he, he's thought about I this. I think he would be okay with the World organization, Health Organization if it were privatized. I'm just wondering. I'm sure he's thought about this through. Peter, if you're, if you're out there if and if you're alive. listening... Um, feel free to let us know eventually what your your thoughts. Would there be a libertarian World Health organization? Well, it's a necessary um, part of government. I mean, if if you see, so you just protection. put necessary in government. Together. I know. And I don't know that Peter would do that. Well, I mean, you could, if you boil it down, it is part of protection of your citizens. Um, I agree. I, yeah. I, I mean, other parts aside, protecting your citizens against foreign entities uh, being national or what have you and infections that can wipe them out. I yeah. think those well, are... I've got it up there with roads and fire departments. Uh, hey, I, I like I the FDA. They yeah. they do a spectacular job of keeping us safe and I don't have to worry about my stakes. Yeah. So... Um, this is a, a, an episode we should do at some point too. I would like to do a talking about food but I think we'll have to do it with a disclaimer right at the beginning to... If people don't want to listen to it they don't want to but I would think it would be interesting to talk about what organizations are out there for that? What's mm -hmm. actually reliable information we get? What yeah. organizations are more controlled by the manufacturers than by that? Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Watchdogs. Mm -hmm. and I don't want to go down that. I, I, I'm going to 
not listen to that and not participate. I don't want you to ruin food for me. All right, I'll let you wrap you've us ruined, up. You've ruined so many things for me. Already, I'll let you wrap right? us up, Mike, because I could keep asking <laughs> questions. I'm very very fascinated by this. But Hey, there's still people that are annoyed about the last time I was on the podcast about the uh, um, tiger meat. Mostly in the past region. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, there was a lot of comments. I agree with you about it, though. I've never eaten it. So. I have. It's good. Um, I'm still around. Yeah, that argument is, yeah, so far. <laughs> <laughs> so far. Um, we didn't really quite get to, uh, you know, too much, uh, you know, what, what a Christian does, especially what a Christian pastor does in a situation where there may be an epidemic. And this but I think, I think if we get Jim and Gina on, yeah. I had sent you about yep. Luther writes, should the Christian pastor flee the, the plague? Yep. Yep. I think that'd be a fun one to bring into if we do it. Well, this they is... are a nexus to spread disease. So at least use hand sanitizer. <laughs> Maybe not shake their hands as so, much. Yeah. So when we, we think about, oh, well, what a pastor, it's not a, f- a far-fetched in the future thing. There's a lot of historical mm-hmm. thought that has yeah. been through this. And so I think uh, for pastors and, and Christians in general, we know where we're going. And so we don't have to be overcome by fear. And I think that's that's a part of freedom. And we realize that because Jesus has done everything for us already, there's nothing left to do but let the bird fly. Uh, every evening when the sun goes down, get my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a drink. I set them up another round. I set them up another round. I set them up another round. One more round won't get me down.